the reason his controlling behavior bothers me is because I'm trying to control the situation by having it go the way I'm always used to. And what would it look like if I was okay with being interrupted and him micromanaging and da, da, da. And when I went back on the project to work with this particular person, it was a completely different dynamic. Welcome to The Art of Speaking Up, a podcast that empowers professional women to rise. I'm your host, Jessica Guzik. And in this show, I take you undercover into the stories and lessons that I learned sometimes the hard way throughout my career. I also talk with working women, leaders, and coaches to show you that no matter what your struggle is and no matter what your career goals are, you already have all the talent that you need to succeed. So if you are listening to this show, you are probably deeply familiar with the fact that work sometimes isn't super fun. It would be great if it was rainbows and butterflies and shiny unicorns all of the time. But the fact of the matter is, for most normal human beings, or not normal, for most human beings, work can be stressful. It can sometimes be emotionally triggering. It can make us feel anxiety. And quite frankly, I actually don't see that as a bad thing. I think that we're humans. I think that for most of us, our work either represents our livelihood, which is our ability to survive, so heightened emotions over there. And for many of us, it also represents our achievements and our goals and things that we want for ourselves. So that's a lot of pressure to put on something. And then you combine that with the fact that in most work environments, we spend so much time with our coworkers and Sometimes when we're under stress and there are deadlines, even someone who you love working with, sometimes those little differences in working style can get magnified and all of a sudden, like, they're driving you crazy. And those negative feelings can build up and it can cause friction and it can cause resentment. And it can be so hard to just step back from the situation and be like, whoa, like, hold up. Why am I feeling so crazy? And that's why I was so excited to talk with today's guest, Courtney Clifford. Courtney is a coach and she works with individuals. She also works with corporations and organizations. And much of her work centers around this idea that when we're feeling that way and we're feeling stressed out or we're feeling very negative or emotionally triggered, that's not necessarily something to run away from or avoid. And it's not necessarily a bad thing, but actually... It's often an opportunity for personal growth and developing ourselves as leaders. Because in examining how we're feeling and why we're feeling the way that we're feeling, we're growing our self-awareness, we're growing our emotional intelligence, we are growing our empathy. And in that process of learning to acknowledge and move through our emotions, not only do we begin to feel better, but by relating better to ourselves and what we're feeling, we are able to relate better to our coworkers. We are able to more deeply engage in the work that we're doing. And we're able to up-level our skills as leaders. And that's why it was so much fun to have this conversation with Courtney about the work that she does 
and about the role that emotion and often difficult emotion plays in our jobs and our lives and our professional and personal development. So there's lots in here to take away. We laugh about some of the weird and bizarre things that happen in a work environment. You may be able to relate. (laughs) And if so, you'll probably laugh too. And with that, I bring you my conversation with Courtney Clifford. Enjoy. All right. So the first thing that I wanted to ask you about is just to share a little bit about your own career experiences and how that got you to what you're doing today. Yeah. Well, thank you, first of all, for having me. I'm so excited to be here. And uh, so my background is, is that I'm a corporate trainer and facilitator. I've worked with luxury automotive manufacturers training their sales teams and working on product launches across the nation. And it was clear to me that I had a knack for reading people's energy and emotional intelligence and being able to guide them. And I had heard my whole life, you know, you should be a life coach, which, uh, you know, that word still, I'm like, "Hmm, what do I know about life? Um, But that's when I discovered NYU and enrolled in leadership training and fell in love with it. And it has just been so great now moving into a private practice, working with clients one-on-one, taking very specific steps so that they can realize their own dreams. And some of the work that you do is around helping women who are in a tough work environment and not necessarily, sometimes it's transitioning to a job, but it sounds like there are also situations where you have helped women figure out how to become happier in an environment that is a little bit tough for them. Can you talk a little bit more about that? Yeah, you know, it's interesting. I was in that situation myself, so perhaps that's why I attracted. But often people will come and they will want to find a coach and they think that it's about leaving the job. And what we will find out is it's not about getting the new job. It's finding the peace within where you're at. Because the truth of the matter is, I can give you the steps and we can do the work around getting that next job. But if you haven't made peace with the current situation and why it's triggering you, you will have the same boss with a different name at the next company with the same coworkers with different names and the same exact situations in a bigger way. So let's work with what we have before we move towards the next thing. My guess would be, just based on my own personal experience, that 90% of the frictions or challenges, maybe not 90%, but a lot of them relate to people, whether it's coworkers or managers, because the human element of the work environment is just so inescapable. But I'm curious if that's what you see. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it's never about the project itself or the workload itself, right? It's always that perfect personality that comes along, you know, the email comes in and it sends you in a rage or you're just so overwhelmed. And, you know, it's it's difficult to be an observer of that and see what's really going on, especially when you're in an environment, oftentimes a toxic work environment, where everybody is, it's a vortex of energy. And then if you're only in that vortex talking to your coworkers, it's really hard to be an observer and to see what is really going on and what your role is in that. And I think sometimes it can be helpful 
to be aware of where that negative energy exists, whether it's specific people or subgroups. I know for me, sometimes I like going down those vortexes in like a weird way. It feels good, but it's it's not conducive to my happiness. I've tried to move away from it as much as possible. Yeah, it's beautiful that you have that self-awareness because I think uh, it's attractive, right? Uh, drama is attractive. It's something that we, we commiserate and it's almost a bond that I know I felt that way, right? You're going through something really tough and you have other people to talk about with it. But when does that become where you're working against you as opposed to just sharing what's going on? Are you releasing it and letting it go? Or are you firing each other up with the negativity and actually contributing to it to keep yourself stuck? And I know for myself, um, when I was in that situation, I really had to take a step back and realize that it wasn't conducive for me moving forward in my life. And by shifting myself, it it shifted the relationships around me within that work environment. What would you say for, you know, let's say someone has either a team member or a manager who is just objectively a difficult person to work with. So there are certainly situations where I know like this is my personal stuff coming up and it's not really about the other person, it's me. But there are also times where there, you know, there are people out there who are just tough to work with for so many different reasons. Are is there any advice that you would give to people to help them stay kind of zen? and figure out how to not expend unnecessary energy getting hung up on it. Yeah, absolutely. And that is often the case, right? Where you have a coworker, you're put on a project with a manager that is the exact opposite personality of you. And I think the first thing in any situation is accepting what is, right? That's the first thing that I do. I take a deep breath and I accept what is and I say, okay, just like you said, how am I contributing to this? What is my role in this situation? Okay, uh, why does it bother me that they're <laughs> negative or controlling, you know, identifying their behavior that triggers you so much? Okay, what is it about that that really just makes it so difficult for me? And then how can I ease into this situation? And what you'll often find, I mean, it, it is such, it varies, obviously, depending upon the situation itself, but I can speak from experience in saying that in, first of all, accepting and surrendering to it, oftentimes we don't realize how rigid we are and how we're controlling the situation by not being an acceptance of how the other person is showing up. So, okay, perhaps they're showing up negative controlling, cutting you off what have you. But if you were so easygoing, would that really ruffle your feathers? (laughs) You know, and uh, I mean, I know I was in a situation exactly like that. And you know, the first few months, it was just, you know, breathing into it, you know, doing the, the, you know, the Kundalini mantras before I go out there doing my breath work. (laughs) And then it wasn't until I had space from it, um, a vacation, actually, I came back and I had this realization on vacation. I'm like, the reason his controlling behavior bothers me is because I'm trying to control the situation by having it go the way I'm always used to. And what would it look like 
if I was okay with being interrupted and him micromanaging and da-da-da. And when I went back on the project to work with this particular person, it was a completely different dynamic. I actually enjoyed, I was able to see all the positivity of those traits because it's never 100% bad, 100% good, right? With control comes diligence, right? With that micromanaging comes somebody that will really show up for you. So how could I lean into that and lean back on my own control tendencies and then it could flow? And essentially that's what partnership is right? We're not there solo. We're not there to run the show completely. If you're going to work with somebody else, it's finding a way to make that relationship work. So that was a really big eye opener (laughs) firsthand for me. And now working with clients privately, it's something that I can share with them and help navigate when they bring these issues to the table. And in a way too, sometimes when you step back, I feel like you're almost more empowered to assert the boundaries that you actually need because you're not all riled up about it. Like you're just more objective. And so then you can say, oh, this person's micromanaging. I'll just tell them that I don't have the time for this particular thing. And it's just like, it's like less emotionally charged, I guess. Yeah. And I think that's the most important thing because often, you know, it's little misadvice that goes out there. People will say, don't bring your emotions to the job. And I feel like that's the worst thing that we could probably do for the feminine (laughs) because our emotions are beautiful and we should not have to sacrifice that. It's how we move through our emotions. And by denying our emotions, that's going to just create a whole other set of problems. And that's where it bottles up, it bottles up, it bottles up. And then you hire the coach to leave the job and it manifests in the next job. So I love what you said about taking a step back, creating that spaciousness within, acknowledging this is how I feel right now, and it, it doesn't feel too good. And, and then you can move from there. And, and, and from that, you're processing in such a way that things can move. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I didn't even realize that for a while, I was not allowing myself to acknowledge what I was feeling because I think on a very subconscious level, I had taken in a message. I'm not sure from where. Actually, I am sure from where that I shouldn't (laughs) be feeling these things and that I should just be even and fine and do all the things and like stay in my lane. And it took me a while to just get okay with saying, oh, I'm really, really angry, or I'm really overwhelmed, or I'm really stressed out. And that doesn't mean that I'm going to run across the office yelling it out to everyone around me. It means I'm going to give myself some space to figure out what I need to do to get back to where I want to be. Absolutely. Uh, You have to acknowledge. You have to acknowledge. And actually, an emotion can move through you. I mean, I've seen statistics that say 15 seconds by acknowledging it. I don't know. Maybe uh, it takes me more like 10 minutes, 15 minutes. 15 seconds is not going to do it. (laughs) I found that that really, yes, once you name it and you it and you know maybe you need to do it with yourself sometimes you know the other day I, I felt the emotion rise up and I was like, okay I'm gonna go to my go-to friend who is kind and compassionate and empathetic and I was like I need to out my ego right now <laughs> boom 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 and I told her and I oh god I felt the release right away because I knew I had somebody in neutral space holding that for me and then honestly within those two minutes of that conversation and outing it 
the emotion didn't exist within me because it was able to rise up. And it sounds like you have the same practice. And I'm sure you've noticed that shift for yourself, right? Yeah. And just like, I think for me, understanding that this idea that women shouldn't feel angry and there's there are a certain set of feelings that women shouldn't have. And as soon as I really grasped that and internalized that, it made me angry and it made me want to feel and acknowledge my feelings because not doing so was not in my interest. It's, it's in nobody's interest. And yeah, I think it's particularly difficult in a corporate environment, um, in a male dominated environment where it is so linear and pragmatic, which is, is beautiful and focused and gets things done. But it's not healthy for anybody to not feel their emotions. So yeah, and you know what, anger, listen, that's a secondary emotion, everything's a secondary emotion. But it also can be uh, a good thing, right? Like I rather be angry than depressed, because I'm feeling some movement in the anger, there's some fire under there. Sometimes when I get really angry enough, that's when I make a big shift in my life. Yeah. It's it's a spectrum too, allowing yourself to feel what you're feeling, even if it's negative, I think also allows you to feel the positive. And I really like what you said about women should stop being encouraged to keep their emotions out of work. Because what about all the positive emotions that have such an incredible impact out there in the professional environment? Absolutely. Yeah. I think that there's this misunderstanding of what the feminine is and how it shows up to the workforce. And I know for me, because I worked in a, and continue to do so in a male dominated industry, and I felt like I had something to prove and I didn't want to be treated any differently. So I really suppressed my emotions and, and how, but, you know, through doing all this inner work and going through coaching school and so forth, now, you know, stepping into it and really just embodying that I am this human that has a whole range of emotions and I think it's healthy to feel them. I'm stronger mm-hmm. and I can be stronger from as a leader for my coworkers. And it's something that people seek out. So I would encourage, you know, to, to feel into your vulnerability because it actually, and I mean, this is what I teach with corporations. This is something that we actually need to go and teach is emotional intelligence. And we're teaching them empathy, active listening. These are courses that were never taught, right? In high school or, you know, perhaps college, if that was your major, but it's what corporate needs most right now because we're so driven to get the results, but we're not understanding what it truly takes to effectively do that, or otherwise we have this burnout, right, which we see. And that's what uh, contributes to somebody saying, I can't take it anymore, I'm leaving. And how different would that look if the feelings and the emotions were acknowledged along the way? It's such a loss, too, because I think a very common experience is if you come in as a young female and you're in an, in an environment where there aren't many women, the predominant way of being in that work environment is going to be more masculine. Mm. And I think it's natural to try to fit in and to try to assimilate with your environment. And so you kind of leave behind some of your talents and some of the gifts that you have. And these are the things companies are paying you to come in and teach them how to do these things. So we need to make sure that women aren't coming in and thinking like, oh, this is not a helpful skill. I need to hide this side of myself because this isn't important. 
Absolutely. Yeah. It's really, I think that that's why community is so important. And this, what you're doing with this movement, having a support and platform for women to speak upon this and, and knowing that you're not alone because, okay, if you are like I was and you worked in this male dominated environment, I was one out of 30 men in the same role, you know, and there is something that's very important about the bonds between women and what we can provide for one another. And so having that community of support, because we're all sharing the same issues in different ways, and knowing how we can navigate this and go back into that, that environment and show up authentically as ourselves, because that's what being authentic is, right? Not hiding any aspect. Yeah, I agree. And what you said before about going to a friend and kind of recognizing that you need to process that emotion and having someone to talk to where you can be honest and not have to put on a show about what's going on is really helpful. I think some women, you know, I've seen this in my own female friendships. You sometimes don't want to go there. Like you don't feel comfortable fully opening up. So if someone's hearing this and being like, okay, I have these emotions that I want to process, how would you? advise them to kind of let go of the fear of being judged and to to feel comfortable outing what they're going through? Yeah, I think that's a great question. And, and the first thing that came up in my mind was, you know, I'm such a fan of Brene Brown's work. And she talks about like, not everybody deserves to know your story and your shame. And you have to really, that's a, a great question that you have to sit with. Who is safe to share this with because it's very difficult even in trained professionals they you know not everybody has the ability to hold that neutral space to be in that neutral space for you hold a safe container not to project their own experiences back at you but to sit with that and really be accepting of it and then reflect back to you what you're going through so i would you know inquire you know, who am I surrounded by? Who do I, I would observe when I talk about such and such, who's receptive of that. And the first thing that comes up for me when I know who I feel more comfortable sharing with is if I'm going through a hard time and, and, you know, it could be a simple question, right? Like how's work going? And if I give an honest answer, like, you know, it's been really challenging lately. When I get the response from somebody in my life, oh, you'll be fine. It's, you know, you're so strong, you always, you always figure it out. It's dismissing my emotions, right? And I know that that comes from their own inability to sit with theirs. But that, to me, now is indication that they won't be able to hold much more. And like with the friend that I shared with the other day, I know that she, we have that for one another. I'm not looking for advice right? I, all I need is somebody to hold that safe container. I don't need her to wrap it up in a pretty bow and tell me everything's going to be okay. I just need her to feel with me, you know, and that again, it goes back to what we're teaching in corporations, empathy. And it's like a lost art. You know, I was so excited to connect with you for that very reason, you know, that first phone call me like hit it off because I'm like, Oh my gosh, she gets it. This is what's <laughs> needed, you know? So yeah, I think about that a lot. I think empathy is very needed. And 
like I was saying before, it's just it's unfortunate that some of us, I know myself, turn a switch off because we think that's what we're supposed to do. And then you get to this point later in your career where you're like, holy cow, these are all the soft skills that I need to like advance. And all of this time I had all of this stuff in me and I I didn't even realize it. How did you come to that own realization for yourself? I'm curious. Oh, that's such an interesting question. And I'm trying to figure out if I've even like had enough time to reflect and figure that out. But um, I think it was just me starting to pay attention a little bit more to the things that distinguish people in a work environment and to try to understand the difference between someone who does really, really good work and creates these really solid outputs and someone who's a true leader and who's going to go really far and do really incredible things. And the conclusion that I came to was all of those linear skills and all of the things I create, you know, I, I've probably created thousands of PowerPoint slides in my career. You can teach anyone how to do most of the things that I'm doing, but some of the hardest things to teach are the qualities that I see in these leaders that get their teams excited um, or you know, execs who are able to come in and change the culture in a company and have this positive impact. I just, I started to believe that none of that stuff was linear or teachable in the same way as all of these things that I was focused on, like creating perfect outputs and, and doing these perfect analyses. And I also realized that those are a lot of things that I have that I had been ignoring because I was so focused on my outputs and so focused on like those concrete markers of skill. Yeah, I that's so important, right? Like and that is often the journey of focusing on the attainment of hitting the achievement and I see it in my clients and I know my former self. Um <laughs> and then there's that emptiness inside. A bit of doing all this work, why isn't it all coming together and I'm so depleted? And it's that is exactly what you talked about because the other components are missing, and that's really the um, the foundation of what gets anything off the ground, what keeps a company running, what keeps a relationship running, what keeps a human, you know, running. So yeah, yeah. <laughs> the human element of the workplace <laughs> is undeniable, and I always wonder why aren't we talking about this more? Because this is like basically a crazy social experiment. Like, let's put a ton of people in a building yeah. and their livelihood depends on it and give everyone a laptop and make them sit in these meetings and watch them tear each other apart or just see what happens. And I'm just like, well, this isn't normal, right? Does anyone else realize? Right. Or my favorite is when you go into the office and it's an open workspace, nobody communicates with one of them with one another. So they don't share the document with the person next to them and there's no communication and you're wondering, like... This is how we function. Mm -hmm. Literally sitting next to one another in this department won't go to that department. <laughs> yeah, it's really wow. crazy. And I've even had moments where I've been like, oh my gosh, like, why am I acting this way? This is not mature. This is like not a way to be. Like, none of this matters. And I think there's something Darwinian that happens in the workplace <laughs> when you're feeling afraid or feeling threatened. You can do things that, like, from an outsider's perspective, like you said, like, why are you not talking to that person? They're next to you. Yeah, <laughs> it's true. Stress will uh, induce that. 
One last thing that I wanted to hit on that you talked about a couple of things quickly before we go into the listener question is you just talked about um, being choosy or selective about who you share what you're going through with. And I just wanted to highlight that because if you're going through something tough and you share it with someone and they diminish it, I think that can make people feel worse about the situation. So I just wanted to emphasize that. Yeah, 100%. Um, and that goes from, you know, from anyone in your life and they can love you dearly and contribute so much to your personal relationship. But do they have the skill? And it really is a skill uh, and the spaciousness within to provide what you need in that given moment. Mm-hmm. And mo- like I said before, most people are not looking for advice. And and again, with coaching, I don't give advice. I'm leading you to the answer that's within you because people can't hear advice any- anyway. It goes through one year and out at the other. You need to come to that own self-discovery. But having somebody that you can go to or a group of people that you can go to to process who will ask you, well, how do you feel about that? Like, I'm really angry. I'm really angry. This happened at the office and I feel uncomfortable with this emotion. Well, well, how do you feel about that situation? What's coming up? And then they can, you know, take you down that road and, and the release and it brings you so much closer and you have a closer relationship with them. And it's really beautiful. So mm-hmm. I want to encourage women to talk more about what it is they're going through and to be more open because everyone has something that's hard for them. And I think once one person opens up and shares, it can change the dynamic and it can open things up for everybody else too. Yeah, it's creating that intimacy, right? I was talking with a friend the other day and we were talking about just that. I said, how do you feel when somebody shares something really vulnerable with you? She said, wow, I feel, yeah, I feel like, wow, they trusted me enough. To reveal that and it makes our relationship closer it almost takes a you know a wall down so to speak you know energetically and you you feel closer to them so by having that a group of women and you know we really need to let go of this perfectionism mm-hmm. and we see it on social media life is not perfect and we're all going through something and like you said by sharing your vulnerability and it doesn't make it doesn't have to be a victim story you know um just being like being real about what it is so that you can find the support that you need and then we can elevate one another we don't have to stay you know stuck in that issue so to speak so yeah so important to have that yeah. And it, it really is an honor when someone chooses to confide in someone else. Usually the person is excited that, you know, to yeah. be there and to support their friend or whoever it is. Absolutely. Yeah. Cool. Well, the last thing I wanted to ask you about was kind of like this equation of when to stay in a job versus when to leave if you're unhappy. But the listener question actually really hits on that. So I'm thinking we'll just go straight into that. Okay, great. Awesome. So the listener question is, and I'll ask the question and then give you the floor to speak to the listener. They say, I'm feeling very overwhelmed and unhappy in my current job. I'm only on week three and already in the thick of struggling with a difficult manager, coworkers that I cannot relate to, and a project that is extremely overwhelming for me as someone new. I have a pit in my stomach every Sunday evening. I would really like to get to the one-year mark in this role 
but that is almost impossible for me to imagine. What should I do? Sincerely dreading Mondays. Oh, my heart. I just, you know, you feel it in your heart. I think we've both probably been there and I can still relate. So the first thing that I would say is I completely understand how overwhelming that is. And, you know, to take a deep breath and to just really feel into that and to be accepting of, okay, this is where I'm at. Uh, Also knowing that within the first three weeks of any job, I mean, that's when you hit that pain point of like, I don't know, I don't know if I can do this. Every single client I talk to and every job that I've been on, (laughs) we all go through that. So acknowledging that it is completely normal, it does not make you abnormal to be feeling that and be in that situation. And then the next thing that I would touch upon is she said, it seems completely overwhelming to get to the one year mark. And I think we so often do this, we set that expectation and that goalpost and we set it so high, it's almost a form of self-sabotage because we're setting ourselves up for failure. The only thing that you need to be worrying about right now is how you're feeling in this moment. And to really sit with that first, and then you can start making movement. Okay, let's break this down. What is, what is so overwhelming? What about the coworkers? What, that I can't relate to? Why can't I relate to them? What would it look like if I could find common ground and so forth? And then start dissecting it, you know, each issue and going through it. You don't need to worry about a year from now because anything can happen in a year. You just need to get through day by day, week by week. And by breaking it down, you will find movement and it will release the stress. It will. We put so much pressure on ourselves to like get to this certain thing or attain this thing. And that's a really good point that you brought up, which is like, it's already hard enough. The situation's hard Mm -hmm. enough. And you're putting this burden of a year mentally, whether you stay or not, it just that, that extra stress that is present because you're thinking, how will I do this for a year? Yeah, it's the interesting, the psyche is so interesting. And we do that, right? Like we're, we're in something and it's like, oh, and then our mind jumps, it races down the line, like, well, what's going to happen with this? And, and why? Why do we do that? Because we're so uncomfortable with, we're not in our comfort zone, right? So that's what's coming up. We're in a new environment. Anything that's new, it feels off for our nervous system, right? Everything as simple as starting a new job, you know, you're on a different sleep pattern, you're in a new physical environment social environment, maybe you have to dress different. There's so many factors that go into it, right? And what was everything leading up to that? Is it your first job? Is it your third, you know, is it a new industry? So forth. And um, so yeah, we put all these, this pressure and expectation and, and the fear of the unknown. And we want to grasp at something. So in order to feel secure, we set, okay, one year, I'll do this for a year and da, 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 and that's how the analytical mind works to try to control and to feel safe. Yet we don't realize that subconsciously we're making ourselves feel as insecure as possible by doing that. We're actually working against ourselves. 
And that's where in session, in my practice, we, we break it down. And we're like, okay, so what is this really about? It's actually not about being here for a year. What this has to do with is actually your security and your false sense of security. And how can we create security within yourself so that time doesn't even exist, right? And, and you can just do what you were hired to do and what you love to do and feel good about it. And I really like how you reminded dreading Mondays that everything is so hard when you're new, even like little things like your commute is different. And like, you don't know where to find this thing that you need in the office. Like, I think we forget how much all of those little stressors add up. Yeah, everything adds up and and really just finding ease in each new routine. So finding that ease, not trying to take it all on at once and and trying to exude this perfection because you will burn out at week three. That's exactly what what will happen. Yeah. And and just finding that peace. And I think it is important to have that uh, support like like through community and, and through your own personal practice. Where can you go to chill out when it gets to be too much at work? You know, like for me, that was like running in the bathroom or going out to my car and doing, you know, some breathing. I mean, I still do this, obviously, but (laughs) just in a different way. Uh, Breathing exercises, you know, so that you can get a little reset and not be so overwhelmed. No, I didn't even think about that with the listener question. But yeah, three weeks. I mean, it's really hard to know. It's so soon and there's so much new stuff going on. So I'm glad that you brought that up because I was even like I was having um, like reading and be like, oh, no, what's she going to do? Like I was stressing out with her instead of right. like stepping back like you are and realizing like, of course, of course, things feel crazy. Yeah. I mean, what is really three weeks? I mean, and we see this in coaching as well. Like in three weeks, that's 21 days. That's just when a new habit is formed. Mm -hmm. So if anything, that's when I start to see in the, in the three to four week mark, people hit their shadow point where all the nervousness comes up and they're like, I don't know, the self-doubt creeps. I don't know if I could do this anymore. And, and, and the anxiety kicks in. And anytime you try to make any change with whether it's with your body, whether it's with your mind, um, it, it will show up within that time frame. And if you can just get through that, just a little bit further, actually, that's when you're creating new pathways. And you will see a difference and you will adapt to it. But you have to be in it to assimilate, right and give yourself that grace. Um, and compassion, really, it's self-compassion, giving yourself that self-compassion to to move through. Perfect. I'm going to get into the last couple of closing questions. Yeah. Um, I'm very excited to hear what you have to say. So this podcast is called The Art of Speaking Up. I want to give you the floor to share what speaking up means to you and why you think it's important. I was so excited when I got that email with the title because that is such a dear and um, you know personal journey for me. It was finding my own voice and learning. It really is an art. Thank you for calling it that because because so often, okay, I mean we can I could this could be a whole other show, <laughs> whole other episode. But share as much um, as you want. Yeah. Um, So speaking up, so people are either completely okay with quote unquote confrontation and speaking up, right? 
or avoid it, right? You either go into it or avoid it. But so often when we're okay with, with confronting, how are we confronting it? So is it in a conscious manner? Is it in a thoughtful manner? What place is it coming from? Is it coming from anger? Is it coming from insecurity? Is it projection? So that's that's tricky, right? And that's something that we need to look at. Um, and then really honoring your voice. So I think that that's why the inquiry is so important to explore before you speak up for yourself so that you could know where this is coming from. And are you speaking as your highest self? Or are you projecting outwards so that you're showing up with grace? And sometimes the projecting that happens can happen because women are told this is how you're supposed to speak up. This is what it looks like. And then you're like, oh, okay, best guess I better get loud. And like nothing wrong with taking up space. Like obviously you should take up space, but I also think individuality is a thing, right? And if your way of speaking up feels different and that's where you feel powerful and you feel authentic, that's where you should be, just like you said. Yeah. And I think also oftentimes we're so hesitant to speak up. So we we suppress, we suppress, we suppress. It's bottled in. So then when we get to the point of like, I can't take it anymore and I'm going to say something, it comes out in an inauthentic way. And it's not our truth because there's so much emotion around it. Whereas if there wasn't the stigma around you know, speaking up and honoring your voice and, and just confrontation, that word even has a negative connotation to it, right? And it shouldn't. Like, why should it be this uncomfortable, you know, topic that we just, you know, talk about things, talk it out, but we don't for fear, right? And then it just it becomes bigger and bigger and bigger than it needs to be. Yeah, there's two sides of the coin. There's getting the courage to speak up and then there's doing it, you know, from something inside you that feels like you and doesn't feel like something else, either that you were told to be like or, you know, something that you're using to cover up or being reactive with. Yeah, and I think it's also important, like, depending on the situation and, you know, I'm thinking of previous situations in, in corporate, what am I looking to obtain by having this conversation or uh, saying what I need to say for myself? Am I doing it for a response? Am I doing it for expression? What am I looking to get out of this? And, and that goes for, I think, any conversation in our, in our lives and any relationship. And that's really important to look at because you're, if you're looking for a certain response, you're most likely, I can guarantee, not going to get what you're looking for. And so being really clear that whatever you're bringing to the table is for you and what you your truth and what you need to share and being okay with how the other person responds to whatever you say. Perfect. I'm going to ask you the last question now, which is always my favorite. So I created this show for young women because if there's anyone out there who's going through some of the chaos and difficulty that I went through. I just wanted to be able to speak to those women and tell them they're amazing and that things are going to be okay and that there are ways to feel better. So I wanted to give you the floor to share whatever message is important for you to get out there to listeners. 
Well, th thank you again. Um, it's such an honor, you know, to have this conversation with you on a topic that is um, so needed to be spoken about. And, you know, just in this conversation when we were preparing for the show, something that came to me was this passage from a book called Honoring Your Voice by Pixie Lighthorse. So I thought I would just read that for your listeners and maybe it will resonate for them as much as it did for me. So that says, remind me that insecurity is simply a belief that I am unprotected. Let me love of what we do together lift me up. When I think I'm unable, that I'm not made for this, they'd be better off without me. I don't fit here. I'm unwanted. I'm unnecessary, set me straight. We both know that these thoughts are not of you or me, but rather a powerful force that seeks to hold me back. Help me to create a world where people are safe, secure, and can enjoy a sense of belonging. I love that so much. Thank you so much, Courtney. Thank you, Jessica. Thank you so much for listening to my episode with Courtney. I had such a good time talking with her and I forgot to ask her about her contact information. If you want to learn more about her or get in touch with her, you can check out her website. It's www.courtneyclifford.com. I know that she does coaching and she is starting to do things like group programs and workshops. So if something that she said resonated with you or made you have a moment of like, oh, I never looked at it that way, I definitely recommend looking into her stuff. It was amazing talking with her. And I hope that some of the tips that she shared, I hope there are things that you can bring into your life at work. I think there's stuff that you can do right away, immediately to just not only make yourself feel better, but actually to up level your capabilities as a leader. Because having that self-awareness and that emotional intelligence and that understanding of what's happening on a human level will serve you so much and pay dividends throughout your career. So I would say try to take it with you as much as you can, wherever you can. Thank you so much for listening. As always, I love it when I get feedback on the show from listeners. I love it when listeners rate and review the show. So if something's been helpful for you or you're enjoying it or it makes you smile or feel good, please do so. And a quick reminder that if you want to have a career or work question answered on the show, you can submit your question and there's a pretty good chance it'll pop up on the show and you'll get to hear either an expert or a leader offer a point of view or opinion on your question. If you want to submit a listener question, you can either DM me on Instagram, handle is The Art of Speaking Up, or you can email me, jessica, at theartofspeakingup.com. I will also put that information in the show notes so you have everything you need down there. No need to remember any of this. I am so thankful to have you as a listener. And when I say it, I mean it. I really do. So thank you for tuning in and I will catch you next week. Bye.